Hi, everybody. You're listening to another episode of It's All About Food. Thank you for joining me. I'm Karen Hartglass. It's All About Food has been broadcast on the Progressive Radio Network since 2009. And I'm very excited to share with you that Progressive Radio Network recently received a certificate of appreciation from Xeno Radio. Are you aware of Xeno Radio? I think it's really a cool thing. At Xeno Radio, you can listen to your favorite podcasts on PRN on your phone by dialing a phone number. Now, this may not seem like a big deal to some people who have unlimited Wi-Fi and internet access on their smartphones, but some people do not. But they may have unlimited access to cell phone service, for example. So calling a phone number and listening to a podcast can be really awesome and helpful. I remember a couple of decades ago when I would use my flip phone, I was thrilled when I had a model that had a radio in it and I could listen to radio stations on my little flip phone. Well, the world has changed since then, but we can still listen to our favorite podcasts using our phones, either landlines or cell phones, by calling the Xeno radio numbers, and I'm going to give them to you right now. You can listen live by phone over Xeno radio at 641-741-2308 or 585-652-0611. So here's a big congratulations to Progressive Radio Network, a thanks to Xeno radio, and thanks to all of you for listening. My guest today is Sandra Nomoto. And she is the author of Vegan Marketing Success Stories. And guess what? That's what we're going to be talking about today on this podcast. While earning her degree in English literature, Sandra Nomoto published poetry in literary journals and film reviews online. At 25, she founded Conscious Public Relations, Inc., an award-winning virtual agency that's certified as a B corporation. After a decade in business, she authored and self-published The Only Public Relations Guide You'll Ever Need in 2019. Living vegan since 2018, Nomoto is now a content writer and editor for vegan businesses who also helps vegan and spiritual nonfiction authors. She aspires to eat vegan food around the world and blog about it and lives in East Vancouver, Canada with her husband. Welcome, Sandra. Thanks so much, Karen. My absolute pleasure to be here. Yeah, I love talking about anything related to promoting veganism. And we talk occasionally about marketing on this podcast, not very often. And there's probably a few reasons for that. And one is there's not a whole lot out there about vegan marketing now, is there? No, there's not. When I had the idea for this book and I Googled in uh, around the summer of 2021, the closest thing that I could find was Katrina Fox's Vegan Ventures. She wrote the only vegan business book. And I thought to myself, really, that's it? <laughs> so I, I I decided, you know, I guess I got to put this out there. And so this is the world's first vegan marketing book, hopefully not the last. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that, that's the reason why I decided to pursue it, because I saw a gap in the market and, uh, you know, when you have these ideas, you know, need you need to fill it. So <laughs> I put Absolutely. it out there. And yeah, there you go. I'm going to start with a few obvious questions, and maybe they won't be so obvious, or maybe they will to you. I'm not sure. But the first question is, why does the world need a book on vegan marketing? 
How does how is it different from just generic marketing? Yeah, great question. Um, I mean, we yeah, when I thought about just the library of vegan related books that we have, we have we have cookbooks, we have books about why to go vegan, um, maybe some memoirs out there, one vegan business book. And uh, yeah, and I've just personally always been interested in marketing. And I thought, how fun would it be to to gather stories from today's vegan businesses, put them all into a book so that others who are running vegan businesses can glean uh, what's been successful from, from, from the current, yeah, from uh, current businesses in the vegan world. And maybe or maybe not, it's different from from marketing a conventional business, I didn't know. And so I, I sought out to collect these stories. And what I found was um, everybody's got the same marketing tools at their disposal, vegan or not. The only difference with uh, that may be present in a vegan business is, let's say if you're running a food company and you've got a plant-based meat alternative, you've got to do some additional convincing for the average omnivore to tell, you know, to, to be persuasive in why you should buy my product instead of eating plain old meat or seafood or dairy. So that's really the only difference that I found. There might be that additional educational aspect or activism aspect, but really everybody else is using the same tools that conventional businesses are using. Very good. So the other obvious question is, what is your vegan origin story? Yes, happy to share that. So. Uh, my journey started when I saw Earthlings at the end of 2007, a uh, powerful movie uh, mentioned, I'm sure, on this podcast many times. And uh, there was somebody from the Vancouver Humane Society there answering questions at the end of the film. And somebody asked her, what is one thing we can all do to uh, help these animals we've just seen? And she said, stop eating meat. It was just really as simple as that. Yeah. And growing up eating meat for, for my entire life, I thought, all right. Well, she she gave us the answer. <laughs> Let's start on this path. And uh, the goal for me was always to be vegan, but I just didn't set this timeline for myself, right? I said, all right, let's move toward that. Um, so the first two years, I would say it took me two years to fully cut meat out of my diet. Then for a good chunk of years, I was still technically pescatarian. I've never been a huge fan of seafood or eggs. Um, so occasionally I would eat them on the weekend, you know, maybe some fish and chips, but I, I started learning how to cook during the week, either vegan or vegetarian. And so that's how I operated for many years. And then my husband and I got married. We went on our honeymoon uh, in 2017 to New York City and ate at Yay. Iron Chef uh, Morimoto's restaurant, um, uh -huh. big seafood meal. And I, I told myself, you know what? It's not going to get any better than this. So I, I'm going to leave on a high note. That was my last seafood meal. And uh, from there, it was just dairy. So pizza and ice cream, some of my favorite foods. Um, so yeah, I was, I was vegetarian for about a year after that. Uh, and, and for me, what tipped it was health reasons. So I've had this digestive condition that's undiagnosed. My health team has never been able to figure out what it was not related to my dietary transitions. I've had this even before, uh, I started, um, but yeah, it just really it involves, you know, um, gas, bloating, uh, acid reflux, and and sometimes even vomiting. And usually in the middle of the night when I'm trying to sleep, just the worst, the worst time mm. of, of day. Um, so yeah, I had this really bad bout in uh, 20 spring 2018 and and went back to my naturopath. I said, I really got to figure this out. And she said, let's do a food sensitivity test. So I did this test. Um, dairy was one of those things that came up. 
And so she said, cleanse, you know, do a four month cleanse of all these foods, then start reintroducing them back into your diet. See if they're the cause of any of these symptoms. And after that four months, I said, well, I was able to do four months without dairy. And that was the last thing in in terms of food stopping me. So I went, all right, I guess I'm vegan now. (laughs) And, uh, so yeah, it's been just over five years now and, uh, never looked back. Congratulations. The world thanks you. The animals thank you. I thank you. Your body thanks you. There's, yes, I think there's significant evidence now that people of African and Asian descent absolutely should not consume dairy. Now, I think any of anyone of human descent <laughs> should not consume dairy, but we do have some science there. Yeah. What- yeah. And I learned, I learned that, uh, yeah, not too long after most people of color are intolerant in some way to dairy and it's just yeah. not talked about enough. So, yeah. so there you go. Now, you're, you were born in Canada. Yes. You're a Canadian and you have, uh, your descendants are from the Philippines. That's right. Yeah. So did that bring any cultural cuisine to your family or were you eating like a standard American diet or a standard Canadian North American diet? Or where were you there before you made your change? Yeah, I would say it was probably half uh standard American Canadian, um, and then half cultural. Um, my parents are both great cooks. Um, I grew up eating, you know, rice, some sort of meat dish, sauteed meat dish, and then maybe a side of vegetables that was very much like, uh, yeah, the dish at the dinner table and then kind of your, your, your deli meat sandwiches for lunch at school. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And then when I started learning to cook for myself, uh, just unfortunately the, the cultural, uh, <laughs> cuisine sort of dropped off. Um, and, uh, yeah, I haven't really tried to, to, to recreate any of those dishes, uh, in a vegan way. I, I'm sure there are recipes out there and we even have a local restaurant here in Vancouver that does have a vegan menu, which is great. So, um, so yeah, I would say it's, uh, yeah, now it's a hodgepodge of just vegan recipes that I, that I make. Well, I remember looking for vegan Philippine food and I found there was a website. There's somebody doing, doing it. If yeah. not more than one, but yeah. yeah, food, food empowerment project actually created, um, I think, I think they're working oh, on I think the, that's chi- it. the right. Chinese, they're working on a Chinese site right now, but yeah, they, they put out, um, a site with, yeah, full of Filipino recipes. I've got it bookmarked, have not tried any, <laughs> anything, but, uh, but yeah. Um, so thank you food empowerment project. And then there's certainly some, uh, you know, vegan, um, cooks, uh, chefs that I follow, um, again, haven't tried any of the recipes yet, but chef Reina in San Francisco has, has, you know, really been big on the, the vegan scene and mm-hmm. love seeing that just so that, yeah. So that other Filipinos know that, that it is possible to still cook in the same way, just in a vegan way. Yeah. Practically any cuisine can be veganized. I mean, there are some that yeah. are so focused on meat. It's a little challenging, but most of us can go back to our roots and make the recipes we were brought up with or had on holidays and can continue the tradition only in a kinder way. And what about your husband? Does he eat like you? No, uh, since my husband and I moved in together 10 years ago, we've sort of gone our separate ways in terms of cooking. So he's a very good cook um, and has a lot of plants in his diet, but is not vegan. So 
Um, so, so yeah, we've sort of maintained <laughs> cooking separately. I've talked to him about, you know, maybe someday eating cultivated meat when that, that comes on the scene, he's very open to that, but, hmm. uh, but yeah, very stuck in his, his, uh, meat ways. <laughs> so yeah. he's on his own journey and I'm on mine when it comes to the okay. kitchen. There's probably a few more books in there on that subject. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Okay. So let's talk about your book and marketing. I want to get to talking about your book and vegan marketing, but one more thing I wanted to cover, I just was looking at my notes, is the vegan scene in Vancouver. So I was in Vancouver a few times, but I remember specifically in the 90s. Now I've been vegan for 35 years and I've seen lots of change. (laughs) And I might bring some of that up throughout the course of our conversation, but I remember being in Vancouver, British Columbia in the 90s, and there really wasn't much of a vegan scene back then. And I ended up discovering, actually, I went into a sushi restaurant and had avocado maki. And I don't know why it didn't turn me on as much as it did there, because I was living in California at the time. There were plenty of Japanese restaurants. But for some reason, it was the most amazing avocado maki sensation. And I've been hooked on it ever since. But tell me about the vegan. Yeah. Tell me about the vegan scene now. I'm imagining it's quite different. Yeah, we've got a great community here. Um, In terms of vegan only restaurants, there's still only a few. But you know, more, more often than not, you will find options. And I find uh, more folks are are even putting out a separate vegan menu, which is great. Um, in terms of, yeah, we've got a thriving, I would say, online community here. There's several Facebook groups, meetups, uh, where you can meet other vegans. And then we have the Planted Expo, which just expanded to Toronto this year. And they're looking at doing Seattle in 2024. So if you're in Seattle, look out for that. But uh, yeah, the Planted Expo here is uh, going on for, or has gone on for for many years. And uh, yeah, just passed this past weekend. So another successful year. And then if you're an activists there's there's definitely ways to get involved uh, on that front too so yeah i would say we've got a pretty good community here and because vancouver is such a big food city um certainly the 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 vegan uh, options have followed all right now let's talk about vegan marketing and vegan marketing success stories so what tickles me is seeing the change over the decades because 20 years ago You wouldn't have these stories, certainly not 30 years ago. For people that wanted to start a business 20, 30, even longer, it was really hard. I'm just going to guess. But if even if they used every marketing trick in the book, the market wasn't there. So Mm. I just want to put out a big thank you to, to all the activists over the decades who have moved the dial and made people open and receptive to this message of not eating animals, not exploiting animals, not damaging the environment by raising animals for food, which is tremendously polluting and inefficient. And also all the science now that's behind the plant-based diet and how much healthier it is than eating animals. So there's a lot of groundwork that happened there that will now support all kinds of entrepreneurs with great ideas on how to push this movement even further because access 
is what's really essential, I think, to to get more people on this vegan movement. How do you feel standing on a body of work? Yeah, I mean, you're absolutely right. I wouldn't even conceived writing this book had I not made the transition myself. And then being someone interested in marketing, thinking about all of the players that we have now, you know, the big beyond meats, and then, you know, trickling down to your local plant-based meat alternative or, or vegan cupcake, you know, like how are these folks marketing themselves? And unfortunately, um, you know, I did reach out to a lot of the bigger corporations. Most of them either declined or didn't hmm. respond because they're too busy, you know, running, sure. running the marketing ship at their own companies that they, you know, didn't have time to to contribute a story. So this is a book that is very much, um, yeah, the small to medium sized, um, yeah, collection of small to medium sized businesses. Um, but yeah, so if you're a startup, if you're a marketing director at a growing company, this this book is for you. You're not going to get uh, a book with you know, here's, here's how we spent, uh, our hundred thousand dollar marketing budget. No, I'm sorry. <laughs> I wish, I wish I had included those, but uh, yeah. So you're getting folks who with, with very micro marketing budgets, spending a lot of time. Um, that's how they're doing it time, um, for marketing. And then, yeah, I think the, maybe the biggest campaign that was mentioned was like 50,000. Uh, I can't remember if it's us or Canadian dollars. So, so very, yeah, very small budgets that these folks are working with. Well, that's very encouraging because most entrepreneurs don't have a budget or much of yeah. one. Yeah. And fortunately, in this digital world, you can take advantage of that a lot. Were there any stories in your book that surprised you or you learned something extra from your own marketing expertise? I don't know about extra, but but yeah, the main thing that I learned was no strategy is the same everybody's got a different cocktail of tactics that they're Good working point. with. Mm -hmm. And even if you were to copy your competitor's exact strategy, if you somehow, you know, found a secret document with their strategy and did the exact same thing for yourself, it might not work because your audience is still going to be slightly different from theirs. And so, uh, yeah, that's the first thing that I learned is no strategy is the same. Um, and then the second, yeah, I, I mean, there were a lot of vegan businesses that I didn't know. Uh, about. Uh, and I, I, I tried to get a really good cross section of folks around the world. And so everybody who um, submitted a story, I, you know, I had a question in there saying, uh, can you recommend any other vegan business owners that whose story you should be in this book? And I, through that, I found more folks that I didn't know about. And, and one of those is, is Meredith Marin of Vegan Hospitality, who was solely responsible for, uh, for making Aruba, the Caribbean island of Aruba, mm. vegan friendly like amazing story of, of just one, the power of one woman and her company has grown to now help folks around the world. I think she's worked with uh, folks, folks in eight, in 20, 20 States or something like that in the U S and she's teaching her exact method that she implemented in Aruba to other people. And so just, yeah, just stories like that have really amazed me. And I've, it's, it's been so cool to see the ripple effect of, of um, yeah, because because that she was in Aruba from 2016 to I don't know maybe 2019 or something like that, and then has since you know grown this other business, vegan hospitality, and so so yeah, just to see how how folks have progressed since since their their top marketing story has been so cool too. You have a number of different sections in your book, and I just wanted to touch on a few marketing basics. Is the first and the first item there is company name. So what's in a name? 
everything. Oh my gosh. And not to, yeah, I know there's going to be some folks who are oh, like, I want to start this company. I don't know what to name it. Don't get stuck on the name, you know, start. I, I would say that's the most mm. important thing. And then when you find that name that isn't already taken and that uh-huh. feels right and your audience resonates with, that's when you should invest that website domain, take all of the social media accounts um, and and go forth. And And I spend a little bit of time talking about whether there's value in using the word vegan. For some people, they don't want to use that because they want to, they want to cater to omnivores and they, yeah. And the, the fact that their products are vegan or, or, are more downplayed, they're more subtle for others. It's right up there. Vegan financial advisor, slutty vegan, um, you know, you hmm. name it. Um, right. and that can be successful too. So, uh, so yeah, it, there is no right or wrong answer there. I think you just have to figure it out. You mentioned slutty vegan. That's been getting a lot of press. And yeah. we, we have a few here in New York City, one in Brooklyn that I I used to pass while I was doing some work in that area. And I will admit, I looked at their menu and I knew it wasn't for me because I'm a whole food plant-based vegan and I'm like very clean eating. And I thought, okay, I don't really want to go with the impossible and beyond burgers. But even with the name Slutty Vegan, I think a lot of their market are people that aren't vegan just because it's yeah. a it's such a cool, curious phenomenon. Yeah, I agree. She's built, she's got such an amazing story, first of all, Pinky Cole, and then just the impact that she's had with, with Slutty Vegan has been amazing. And I haven't even been able to try their food because I'm up here in <laughs> Canada. I hear about every new location that's opening. So I'm quite, quite jealous, but, uh, but yeah, just to, to have heard and, and seen her story. Um, yeah. It sounds like it's been quite an amazing journey for her. I think the dynamics have changed quite a bit. And I, I'm I'm just thinking aloud right now in terms of marketing. So when I was a relatively new vegan a million years ago, <laughs> I was in search of things. I was looking for things. And when I found something that was vegan, it was celebrated and it was purchased and it was shared. And now I feel more like the entrepreneurs and the market are finding us, the people mm-hmm. that are, are trying to get to us rather than the people trying to find the product. Do you know what I'm saying? 100%. Yeah. Because, yeah. When I started, there were two options, Tofurky and Eve's <laughs> in terms of alternatives in my grocery store. And now there's, there's so, so many. Now I look for what's on sale, <laughs> right? Because I have that choice. And, and, you know, not everybody does maybe in their grocery stores, but now, yeah, we're, we've, we've got all these options and, and you can choose, you know, in terms of like, what are the better ingredients or, you know, maybe I'm going to support the more local option. Like, yeah, if, if you're, you're fortunate to have as many options as we do, like I have here in Vancouver, then you can start to make those secondary choices. And, and, and the first option is, is just by default vegan. Um, but yeah, I, I hope that, you know, the beyonds and what they've done, um, are going to start just, yeah, getting the omnivores to, to think differently. Hey, you know, mm-hmm. try this patty out instead of going to your, the meat section. And if you like it, keep buying it. So yeah, it's, it's, it'll be interesting to see what the net, the next decade, uh, has in store for us. In your first section of marketing basics, you also have refining your message. How important is the message? And I'm imagining it's probably important for many products, but a vegan product adds a whole nother layer. 
Yeah. So as we've said before, yeah, you've got to really think about, first of all, what do you stand for? What's your company mission? What's your vision? Um, who's your audience? Uh, you can't say my products are for everybody because then they're for nobody. So you need to pick <laughs> at least a primary and secondary niche audience so that you know who you're speaking to. And then from there, it's up to you how much of, you know, veganism that you, you want to put in there. Like I said, if you're a plant-based meat alternative, you're going to have to talk about why purchase my product instead of the meat. So there's, there might be some education involved there. You might want to talk about, yeah, the reasons that people go vegan or, or at least choose alternate options. Um, and yeah, and, and it's, it's, it's a lot of trial and error and figuring out what is your audience most resonating with. Luckily we have analytics to tell us, you know, what people like, what people are commenting on more and then rinse and repeat. So, so yeah, you know, keep doing what is working, what is, what is engaging your audience. And if something is not working, at least in the meantime, then put it off and try it again at another time, maybe. So. Mm. That could be challenging, try, putting it off and trying it because timing is everything. Yeah. 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 Sometimes we don't always get it right, but, uh, but the world keeps spinning. <laughs> so, uh, I, yeah. yeah, I remember again, I'm, I'm just thinking out loud here, just little different things are coming to me, but in the, it was around 2006, I think I was involved with some people who were opening a fast food vegan restaurant. It was called Zen Burger. And we have a lot of them in New York City, not, not Zen Burger, but we have a lot of vegan to-go places in New York City. A lot of them now, which is great. But back in 2006, they built this place. It was in a great area near our one of our big train stations, Grand Central, and it couldn't make it. Mm. And I think it was timing. And it was just the difference of a few more years. Yeah. But they weren't ready. And it's just so sad because they had all the elements. And now I see places like that place everywhere. Yeah. But and then, you know, timing is everything. If you have a vision, you want it to work. And it and the timing is off. You know, is there anything you can do other than wait? Yeah, I don't know if I have the answer to that, but yeah. I mean, yeah, I've I've come across vegan restaurants that have opened here in Vancouver and they were a little too early and 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 they they were forced to close. Um and then the owner is still, she's, you know, still a chef, still, right. still doing chef related services. I think she's trying to build her online presence now. So I don't know if there's any way, you know, if you tried brick and mortar that now you can pivot to maybe selling online and, and doing delivery, um, you know, pivoting your business model. Cause yeah, just brick and mortar is just tough in this market in general, opening up restaurants and stores and things like that. Um, but yeah, I think we're in a time right now, fortunately, I, at least in the major cities where it's not uncool <laughs> to be a vegan or, ve or plant forward mm -hmm. establishment. I think now is the time if you, yeah, if you've got an idea and it's a little bit different, nobody's doing it. Um, this is probably the time to try it out. Now, market research is another item in your basics category. You have, um, I'm looking at the table of contents here and there are 
like seven categories. So there's a lot of information here and we're just, I'm just tiptoeing through the basics right now, but market research can help with timing, I imagine, yes. where you can get a better idea. And, and nothing is foolproof, obviously, but I'm imagining that market research can give you a better idea. But if people don't even know what your concept is, even market research can be challenging. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's where, <laughs> that's where the, 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 uh, yeah, the whole point of market research is, it's, is, it's, you know, do I have an audience here and do they even, can they grasp the concept of my business, uh, easily? If not, then you got to tweak something because mm -hmm. people's, attention spans right now are about three seconds with our online <laughs> world. And right. if you can't communicate what your business does or, or, or your unique offering in three seconds, you're going to lose people. So, so, so that's the challenge. It's, it's, yeah, if you're coming up with something really new and novel, um, you still got to be able to communicate that really quickly and effectively. Your next, your next chapter is on advertising and direct marketing and advertising can be expensive and eat up a big part of your budget. So what do you recommend for somebody with a small budget when it comes to advertising? Yeah, I would say start with digital. Um, and I know that bridges into, you know, social media, but I think that's the best way you can, you can effectively target and measure and uh, and find out if that's working. Now, if you do have a bigger budget for, um, you know, outdoor um, or even a really um, targeted magazine or newspaper in your area, now those those can be effective. You just got to make sure again that's where your audience is, um, and then be able to measure. Some of that stuff is not easy to measure. Uh, hmm. let, so if you're going to do, let's say a newspaper ad, make sure you put something like a dis, you could put something like a discount code in there so that you know that if people are using that code, they came from that newspaper ad. So th that's one wow. way that you can measure the effectiveness of that. Cause otherwise it, it's, you're just throwing something up on a wall and hoping that it sticks. Um, advertising is, is, is very hard to measure. So, um, Yeah. So I'm not going to advise people against it, but uh, that's just how it is. And digital comes with its own expenses. There's a lot of stuff you can do yourself, but yes, you talk in your book about wanting to do it right and getting all of those elements right as well. Yeah. So I mean, like I said, it's, it's trial and error and it's figuring out what is, what works, what resonates with your audience and then, and, and then ditching at least in the meantime, what's not working. Now I have to be honest. I have to confess. I am not a fan of marketing personally, myself. It's not something that I like to do. I'm sure a lot of people don't like to do marketing and it's what they have to do. Uh, I, I've got my fingers in so many different things and I'm not intentionally focusing on one thing. And, you know, as a result, <laughs> I know what my results are. I'm not viral, um, which is a funny thing to say, <laughs> but yeah, I'm not I, viral. <laughs> <laughs> my, my, uh, my posts and, and my, my digital stuff is not going viral. And I'm also, I do a lot of different things. Like I said, I'm a performer and I know a lot of artists they don't feel comfortable promoting themselves. So that, you know, that's a whole 
thing. How much do you really want something and how much do you want to dig in and market to do it? Because this is a capitalistic world and marketing is a big piece of that. And I resist a lot because I don't like capitalism. I don't like what it's doing. I don't like where it's going. But the but some people believe that if they're going to make change, they have to play the game in the system, which is capitalism, and you have to market in order to be heard and seen and 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 change the world in your way. Those are all my confessions. Yeah, and I completely agree with you. I mean, call me naive, but I call myself, you know, uh, uh, an altruistic capitalist, maybe because because the because the reason why I wrote this book is so that vegan businesses can, can succeed. Because if we want to move more toward a vegan world, we got to get people to stop eating meat, seafood, and dairy, and move more toward eating plants. Now, unfortunately, there is no public public <laughs> PR agency or publicist for plants. And the plant world, um, it's it's these alternatives that we have that are doing that job. And so I always tell people, if you want to go vegan, you know, people wag their fingers at me and say, oh, you know, those processed plant-based sausages are not good for you. I agree. They're not great for you, but hello, they're going to help you transition. And once right. you know, you learn how to cook a whole food plant-based diet, you can leave those sausages alone. So those sausages are going to play an important role in people's transitioning. And that's how I see it. Those are the businesses we need to support because they're going to help people transition to a whole food plant-based diet. And then maybe if our world is there, then we can drop capitalism and uh, <laughs> and live in the utopia we all dream. In the meantime, yeah. we gotta we gotta do a good job of of marketing plant-based options. Yeah, there are many philosophers and and writers who have implied that utopia will never make it because it'll be boring. Who knows? But it's yeah, something to strive for, I think. Uh, and what I the, the the other sad thing, and and maybe you have some ideas about this, is that we know what the best thing is for the planet, for humanity, and for the animals when it comes to food. It's a whole food plant diet, and people can argue yeah. with me. You could argue with me, but we have plenty of science behind that. But there's there's no way to market it. Maybe you have some ideas, better ways to market. My dad used to have an expression, the shortest distance between two points is a straight line. And what we're doing with meat analogs and all kinds of creative projects is we're not taking a straight line. We're going around about to change the culture, to get to where we need to go. It's not very efficient, but is that the only way? And organic food and fruits and vegetables need better marketing, but because there's no value-added incentive, the investors don't want to contribute to it. And it's really hard to market because it doesn't make a lot of money. Yeah. And that's, I totally agree with you. We're taking a zigzag approach and, and that's just how it is. So as a vegan, you know, maybe you don't think you have a responsibility, but you have, you, you have influence and power in your own circle of influence. So whoever your loved one is, if you know the facts or you can find the facts and, you know, there are plenty of sites out there like nutritionfacts.org that are putting this info out there, take one or two facts and share them. That's, 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 as, you know, on your own individual level, that's what you can do. Now, if we're talking on a bigger level, there are the influencers, you know, the fitness influencers, the wellness influencers, the nutrition influencers, they have a role to play. The doctors, 
that are that are on our side, you know, T. Colin Campbell, Neil Bernard, all these folks who are trying to get to the medical community. Um, this all seems very inefficient, but I tell you, this is what this is how it works. This is how we're doing it. It's these little conversations we're having, every stage we're invited to. The book that I put out, you know, it's not a health focused book, but I I reached out to those doctors to see if they had they had marketing stories to share. And uh, and nutritionfacts.org, uh, I mentioned a bit of them in the book as well. We're fighting against a billion dollar industry. These yeah. meat, seafood, and dairy companies have billions of dollars that they continually invest in marketing their products. Just this past week, the government, the U.S. government, invested $20 million to save, save the dairy industry because it is failing. Yeah, It's working. It's working, folks. It's working. And so part of this $20 million is going to folks like Haley Bieber, who, by the way, has already talked about how she loves being on a plant-based diet. And she's gotten endorsed to wear a got milk t-shirt. So don't trust the celebrities, even though they say, I love a plant-based diet because give them a little bit of money to have a glass of milk or wear a got milk t-shirt. They can be easily swayed. And so that is why learning about marketing is so important because then we realize who and what we're up against. We are up against the meat, dairy, and seafood industry with billions of dollars at their expo- at their disposal. And until we can match that amount of money on our side, we're, we're, the, we're the David in this David and Goliath battle. And so look at yourself as that. Maybe someday we will win, but it's going to take one conversation at a time, including yeah. this one. Including this one. How many other industries, though, does the government throw so much money at? to keep it going. Most people don't invest in failing industries. They just let them go. Yeah. And that's how, that's how, you know, that the government has been so tied in with, uh, with animal agriculture. It's, it's been built into the system since, you know, America was colonized. So, (laughs) so if you want to undo that system, move more towards eating plant-based and letting go of animals. I know that a lot of people are overwhelmed with social mar- social media marketing. There's a lot to it. It seems to be changing every 30 seconds. There is, you know, all this meta and optimization and, and things you need to keep track of. And the hosting companies or, that uh, have the servers and the, the websites, they're always changing. How do we keep up? Do we need to hire somebody who is always keeping up for you? How it's just mind blowing. Yeah. And that's, that's why marketing managers, directors exist. (laughs) This is, this is what, this is what it's a moving target. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But I, I understand there's a lot of startup founders who are maybe listening to this and saying, I do it all myself. How the heck do Mm -hmm. I manage this? You Mm -hmm. know, one day at a time, start off with a strategy that's very basic, you know, where you're, you're doing you're sharing at the capacity you can, and just know that you can always increase that frequency or you can boost uh, a post, you know, if you've got some, some ad budget to, to help that post go further so that maybe you don't have to post several times every day, um, do what works for you, you know, keep testing, uh, yeah, if if one video, you know, one method of a video worked really well in the past and it's not, you know, today, that could be because of 
the algorithm has changed slightly and figure out why, why that is and try something else. Um, yeah, as you said, and hopefully as I've described in my book, marketing is always changing. That is the one constant. (laughs) So you've always just got to be pivoting. Uh, yeah, just, just have a strategy in place. That's the first thing. And then look at it, you know, make sure you, you make a habit to look at what's working and what's not, if not on a monthly basis, maybe on a quarterly basis, but yeah, that's something that you've got to do just to be able to measure what's working and what's not. Okay. Would you be up for a little role playing right now? I, okay. I'll tell you what I'm doing now. I have this podcast. I've been doing it since 2009, but recently with a French woman, I started a new podcast in French and we have not marketed it yet. I kind of wanted to create maybe 10 episodes before we put ourselves out there and it's on YouTube and it's all the podcast uh, apps host you can get it there but i'm not telling anybody about it yet we have our name which we like we're still kind of figuring out our i don't know the rhythm of it all and we started at out as video and we just decided this morning we're going to just do audio for a lot of reasons it's a lot easier and we do it through zoom my co-host is in france and i'm here in new york and I'm I'm very excited about it because from what I've seen, now I haven't done any official market research, but <laughs> I haven't really found anything like it, like French podcasts. There are a few things on YouTube, but I haven't found a lot of French podcasts. So I think it's a good thing to get started with. And I, I had lived in France in the 90s and this woman that I'm working with, she seems to be going through a lot of things that I went through back then because she lives in a small little town. Places like Paris know about the vegan community and they offer a lot of vegan alternatives, but the small towns, they don't. So we want to establish a community for people that feel alone. So what do you have any recommendations where we might get started? Ooh, yeah. (laughs) So many thoughts. Um, So if this is a French podcast, you're obviously going to target French populations, right? Yes. Um, So obviously France, you know, Quebec in Canada, you know, or whoever else uh, speaks French. So that's Mm -hmm. great. Geographically, you've got an audience, you know, certain geographic audiences that you'll target. Um, I think it's a great idea being on YouTube, even though you're not a video podcast, there's ways to get around it. So folks that I've interviewed with, they're on YouTube, and then they just have a, um, a cover like a, sure. a, yeah, kind of a static cover and then the audio plays on it. So that way you're still getting YouTube traffic, um, you know, make sure. And when you're on YouTube, make sure that, you know, your, your title has got the name, both the name of the podcast and the name of the guest. And then the description has the bio of the guest, maybe a, another description of the podcast. Cause the more keywords you can pop into those descriptions, that's how you're going to be found on YouTube. Mm. Um, yeah. And then I would say sort of same thing on, if you choose other social media platforms, so maybe you want to do Instagram as well. There's ways you can get around not using video. Mm. Um, yeah. And then, yeah. And then further, further on from there, um, maybe consider a website because again, maybe an easier way for people to find you if they're searching on Google. Cause yeah, if you're, if you're, um, 
yeah, there's different podcast platforms people listen to, right? There's iTunes, there's there's Spotify, but if you want like a home base for your podcast, you can start a website. And then that way, again, you can use a blog feature to have every guest, like every guest will have a um, uh, a blog post uh, featured. And yeah, if, sorry, I assumed you're doing guests, but if you're not, then, not yet. then it's according, yeah, then it's according to topic, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so that's where I would start. And then from there, you can always build on that strategy and, and add more layers, but that's where I would suggest that you start. Cool. Well, stay tuned, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a new challenge for me. And it's not that the English speaking public is totally covered. If we need a lot of things going on here, but I think we have to do what we're passionate about. And this tickled me. So I'm going for it. Do you speak any languages other than English, like Tagalog? No, I wish it did. Just, yeah. Once I, once I got a good grasp of English when I was a child and my mom, you know, was trying to speak to me, speak Tagalog to me at home, just could not pick it up. And then I did 13 years of French in school. So you would think that I, (laughs) that I not French immersion, just French classes. So you think, Mm -hmm. uh, uh, my French would be pretty good. It is not. Um, but my reading is pretty good. Like I could probably figure out what the word means if I read it. Um, versus speaking. So, uh, so no, unfortunately. Okay. Just curious. The only one. Yeah. (laughs) We all have our different skills and talents and it's clear that marketing is your passion. Is that writing? Yeah. Writing. And then followed by marketing uh, in the vegan world. Okay. I don't remember, maybe I missed it, but do you talk about artificial intelligence? No. Um, and I only knew about, uh, AI in terms of marketing after I'd published the book or, or written the book and, you know, it was already in publishing mode. Yeah. It's exciting Um, and scary. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. So, so that's another, uh, yeah, thing to consider. So if you're somebody who really struggles with written content and, you know, starting a social media post, um, AI, yeah, AI can really help you. I haven't been able to really jump on and test out for myself. I don't have enough writing clients to do that yet. Um, but, but one that just came on the scene is called VG three. So V E G three dot. I hope, I hope it's dot AI. It could be dot IO, uh. but anyways, you can find it veg V E G three. It was created by a vegan agency owner in New Zealand, and it's the vegan version of chat GPT. So if you're vegan, you're running a business, you want to test out AI, but you're really scared of trying chat GPT, try this out. Um, cause it's, yeah, it was built by a vegan and has a, a, a vegan lens. And so vegan topics will be, um, of course you could, you could ask it for any, any topic, but especially the vegan topics that we come across, um, it's, it's built to, to really respond to that. So there you go. Try it out. For That's yourself. crazy. <laughs> You mentioned a number of different people in the book whose stories you write about and their marketing strategies and their successes and failures, et cetera. I like that you mentioned Dr. Michael Clapper. He's been in it for a long time and he's had to kind of reinvent himself over time. I remember in the early days, he was like one of the few people who had video, videotapes. (laughs) of lectures and they were really wonderful to have at the time because there weren't any and he's a lovely person and he's doing great work so I'm glad you mentioned him in your book 
Yeah. I didn't know he was, he was the first one that, that really went out there and said, I'm a plant-based doctor. Um, so yeah, so it was, is, I really wanted, uh, a bit of his, um, input, uh, in the book and, uh, yeah. And now, you know, I, I mentioned before nutritionfacts.org that is led by Dr. Michael Greger. They've done that, that video content really well and, and are putting out multiple languages, which is, which is amazing because, Again, yeah, we don't want just vegans in speaking English. We need the entire world. So, um, so yeah, shout out to all those doctors who've been been at it for decades. Yeah, most medical doctors do not get a foundation in nutrition. So no. there's a very small collection of medical doctors that have taken nutrition on as a passion. And you would think that there was a connection, but that's one of the things that Michael Clapper is working on, Dr. Michael Clapper, in his his own nonprofit is raising money so that we can get nutrition questions on the medical exams in medical schools. And when mm. that happens, then they will start teaching more nutrition because the apparently the medical schools teach based on what the tests are going to include. So if yeah. there's no question on nutrition, especially plant-based nutrition, they're not going to teach it. That's such a good point. And I love that going, yeah, right into the, the, the curriculum aspect mm -hmm. of it. Cause that's how we build the, the knowledge base of all these future doctors. So I love that. Right. right. Good. Okay. We don't have much more time. I'm just curious. What haven't we touched on in the book that you want people to know about? I think we touched on quite a few topics. Let's see. Yeah. Just again, breezing through the chapters, you know, sales promotions, public relations, that's one of the biggest chapters. So you'll learn all about, you know, getting into the media as well as maybe even producing your own media. So if you're interested in podcasting, putting out books, um, being an influencer, you'll get a bit of that there. Digital marketing, of course, uh, everybody's using that. That's our primary form of marketing, social media, blogs, videos, email marketing, um, and then going back to more of the in-person type of marketing, events and direct sales. And then the final chapter is called everything else. So uh, these are all topics that, you know, weren't long enough to form their own chapter. So I have, you know, I talk about how vegan businesses pivoted during the pandemic, mm -hmm. um, how they've achieved word of mouth marketing. I'm really proud of the section on diversity and, and inclusion and the importance of that in marketing. And then I end off the book with um, uh, transitioning to becoming a vegan business. Because if you're not vegan yet, but you're on the journey marketing that isn't really important and that can, uh, yeah, really help to, to expand your audience. So, so yeah, that's a good overview of the book. And again, you'll get tons of stories. There's 47 contributors around the world. And then another few dozen examples that I got permission to use. Um, yeah. So, so you'll learn all about marketing, I promise. And then, and then really from a vegan lens. Uh, okay. Yeah. I apologize. I thought of a couple more things I wanted to ask you. Sure. You mentioned in the book, angry vegans. And I think it's important because I don't know if it's a piece of any other industry because there's so much passion involved in veganism. And a lot of us are very angry because the light goes off, the veil is lifted, whatever metaphor you want to use when you yeah, realize what's actually happening on this planet. You're, you're infuriated. And all the people who lied to you, your family, your teachers, your ministers, and 
it's it's very disturbing when your foundation crumbles <laughs> underneath you and you're angry. And you talk about whether to be angry or not. Could, could you elaborate a little bit on that when it comes to marketing? Well, from a business standpoint, I don't think being an angry vegan is going to help you or your business. I'll just say that. Maybe you'll get, you know, if you've got a vegan audience, they'll be on your side and, and support you, but you're not going to persuade any omnivores to buy your product or service if you put conti- continually put out angry content. I'll say that. Um, now, on the individual level, there's absolutely nothing wrong with being angry. You have a right to be angry. Now, if you want to be an effective vegan and help usher in more vegans, you got to really pick and choose your battles. Mm-hmm. Um, and and what I've learned since putting out this book, um, I have a blog post on my website. So so it's a few posts down. You'll find it at sandranamoto.com slash blog. But I looked at three studies that were done between 2018 and 2021 that studied what made people choose to start eating plant-based. And number two on that list is your own personal influence, peer-to-peer outreach, conversations Mm. with family and friends, Mm. serving vegan meals and having a discussion about it. That's number two. So I tell you, you have an, you have the power and an influence to change the folks around you. I suggest you just do not do that in an angry way. (laughs) You know what, you know what I mean? Like I am the person in my family who brings the, maybe a salad, the staple vegan entree, and maybe a dessert. And that's what I eat. And everybody else is welcome to eat what I bring to the dinner table. Um, And then I go home. And if I want to be angry about whatever animal was at the centerpiece of that table, I can be just it's you're not going to be an effective vegan if you're angry at the table is what I yeah. So so again, just take that and do what you will. (laughs) But that is what I've, you know, from the studies that I've gleaned and in my personal life too, is, is just looking at the friends who have started to make very small changes in reducing their, their animal intake. That's what's worked for me. Uh, you know, being an angry vegan is, is not going is, has not worked for me. I, I agree with you hundred percent. I think love is the only answer. It may sound corny or cliche, but I think that's the only way we make change and putting healthy, delicious, yummy food in people's mouths. That's vegan. hundred percent. Yeah. <laughs> But that's that's really interesting to know that it was number two on this list. I'm not sure what this list is, but to know that it has that much weight is very encouraging. I'm curious, what was number one? Uh, so when I say list, this is my list because there okay. were three different studies. All of the data is different. But from what was similar in those three studies, number one is documentaries. So earthlings, and in particular, the one study that actually asked them what documentary it was, Mm -hmm. earthlings, what the health and cowspiracy were the top three. And those are the ones that I recommend too. I love that. I love that. You know, I mentioned Michael Clapper before and back in the dark ages, I remember there was really only one documentary and that was when John Robbins wrote his book, Diet for New America, back in 1987, and then PBS did a documentary, and Dr. Michael Clapper was in that, and that was the only thing we had for a really long time. Wow. So documentaries are are really powerful, and I'm glad that there are so many more of them out there. One more thing, and then I'm going to let you go. (laughs) So with 
marketing and putting yourself out there and your product out there, you're going to get positive feedback and you're going to get negative feedback, especially with the whole vegan thing. And how do you manage the negative feedback? Is there a way to kind of sometimes use it to your advantage, perhaps? Because in theater, we like to say, weigh your press, don't read it. Yeah, yeah, that's a good, a great way to put it. Um, yeah, and such a great question. I mean, I'm lucky I have not gotten too, too much negative feedback by being a vegan. But even though the comments that I do get, like, oh, it's so hard to forget them when I'm, when I go to bed, right? Because they, they can be emotionally draining. Um, so number one, if, if you're the only one on the front line of, you know, your social media accounts, really take care of your emotional and mental health. That's number one. You're not going to be able to run a business effectively if you don't take care of that. Um, you can block comments, you know, temporarily. You can delete comments. Those are, those are all options. Mm-hmm. Um, or yeah, once you get to the point where you can hire somebody to do this for you, then mm-hmm. They're out. <laughs> then you don't, yeah, then they can deal with it and you don't have to look at it. Um, one great example that I have in my book of a company that has really used their naysayers in a positive way is VFC. So VFC is a fried chicken, vegan fried chicken company in the UK, and they have a series called Cluckwit of the Month. <laughs> and so they take their, the trolls. Uh, they pick one, they they pick one special troll that they, um, you know, highlight on in social media and they create a blog post out of it and actually, and yeah, and then they post it once a month on social media, they'll highlight it, they'll obviously not reveal the person's name, um, but they'll say, hey, you won and thank you. Um, thanking your trolls, you know, that's, so, that's something not very many people can do, but I just love that VFC has been able to spin it in this way. And right. then they actually did an ad campaign. I believe it was across London, um, where they, they used all of that troll content in their ad campaign. So they've even taken it to outdoor ads, like so brilliant. So yeah, if, if you want to even use it in that way, um, there's a couple of other companies that I've seen that have been doing it too, but VFC, I've, I think are, are, are the leaders, at least in the vegan space who've been able to do it. Um, that's so their stories in my book. Wonderful. Sandra Nomoto, author of Vegan Marketing Success Stories. This has been very informative. I'm glad you're out there helping people make more vegans, as I like to say. Thank you're you welcome. for joining me. Thank, Thank you for you joining for all me. you do. And, and it was my pleasure to be here. Thanks so much, Karen. All right. Take care. Be well. Good luck with the book. Bye. That's our show for you today, everybody. I'm Karen Hartglass. You've been listening to It's All About Food on the Progressive Radio Network. Thank you so much for joining me. Hey, everybody. Have a delicious week. 